This is the Word of God from the household of David Church. It is a message designed to raise men after God's own heart. Listen and be blessed. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, can you open your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 4? Mark chapter 4. I'm going to be reading from verse 26. Mark chapter 4, verse 26. All right, verse 26. We're going to be reading to 29 together. Okay, so one, two, let's go. The Bible says, And he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should proceed into the ground, and should sleep, and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how, for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, First the blade, then the air, and after that the full corn in the air. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he put it in a sickle, because the harvest is come. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22, the last verse. Genesis is a very, very popular verse, right? Chapter 8, and the last verse. Can we read it together? One, two, let's go. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You may please have your seats this morning. Praise God. I want to be sharing with us this morning, you know, on what I would want to title the secret to increase or the secret to surplus. The secret to increase. Now, from the portions of the Bible we just read, um, there are certain clear um, truths that God is passing across to us. Now, in Genesis 8.22, um, a very popular verse, it says that while the earth remaineth, that means this is a principle that governs the way the earth works. So it's important that anybody who wants to function effectively on the face of the earth understands this principle. It says, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest. Now, if you doubt the first part of that verse, I believe you won't doubt the other parts. Cold and heat. How many of you have been feeling some heat? This <laughs> heat, right? It says summer and winter. Well, we might not really know a lot about this because we live in the habitable parts of the earth. All right? There are some parts of the earth that are called the habitable parts of the earth. So we might not really know a lot about winter, summer and winter, but we know about cold and heat. We know about day and night. Amen. And he says it equates all of this to seed time and harvest. Meaning the seed principle is one of the principles, if not the most important principle that governs the way the earth works. So we read Jesus' words in Mark chapter 4. And Jesus said, he says this is also how the kingdom operates. And he links how the kingdom operates to how seeds operate. Meaning that there is a truth that God wants us to understand about the seed principle that would guarantee our harvest. 
our surplus, whatever the harvest may be. The harvest may be the realization of a dream that God has given you. The harvest may be the realization of a vision that God has given you. The harvest may be a realization of an idea that God has given you. Even a picture, something you desire, experiencing it can be the harvest. To experience that, you need to understand the principle of the seed. Now, it is wisdom. Pastor has been sharing a lot about wisdom. And I've come to the conclusion that it is wisdom to know the things you can change and the things you cannot change. Actually, that is where wisdom starts from, understanding the difference and aligning yourself to live a life that would change the things you can change and then the things you cannot change, you allow the person who can change them, change them. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, How do you know the things that you can change? Let me say this in another way. How do you know the things that are possible to you as an individual? How do you know? Because I believe that if you know, there are certain things that you might weep over, that you might be sad over, that you will stop being sad over and you will stop weeping over. If you know the things that are in your sphere of control, the things that you can change, the things in your scope of possibility, then the, your outlook and your perspective to life would change. But how do you know? Well, I've discovered that the best way to know is to look at the creator and hear what he's saying to you. Because whenever a manufacturer manufactures any product, he does that based on two parameters, very important parameters, and I want you to listen to me. I'm going somewhere, right? Listen to me very carefully. He does that on two parameters. Number one, on the parameter of purpose. There must be a reason why he or she is creating that thing. And number two, he does it on the parameter of potential. Now, potential is not just ability. You know, people talk about potential and talk about potential as though it's just ability. Potential is not ability. Potential is ability that has not been used. That is potential. Potential is all you can be that you have not yet become. That is potential. Anything you've done is no more your potential. Anything you've done is no more your potential. Anything you've experienced is no more your potential. Any ability you've used is no more your potential. Your potential is that ability that you have and can use, but you've refused to use. Now, so every creator creates things based on these two parameters. And even God, who is the first and the principal creator of every human being, created man based on these two parameters. Number one, he has a reason why he made man. I don't want to go into that today. That is not my focus. Number two, when he created man, he created man loaded with potential. Our potential defines our possibilities. Our potential defines the things we can do. So if you listen to God speak to people in the Bible, you see God always talking from these two perspectives. For example, I remember in Judges chapter 6 when God was speaking to Gideon. The Bible tells us, Judges chapter 6 from verse 1, the Bible begins to tell us a story that the children of Israel were being tormented by the Midianites. They tormented them so much that the children of Israel started to hide in caves 
And you know, they were hiding away from the Midianites because the Midianites were going to come every year in provision the land and leave. The Bible tells us that when an angel came to Gideon, hear what the angel said. Now, Gideon was hiding too. The Bible clearly states that Gideon was hiding so that the Midianites would not see what he was doing. When the angel came to Gideon, if it was any of us here, including myself, that walked up to Gideon, you would have said, Gideon, why are you hiding? But the angel looked at Gideon and said, Almighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. That is how the angel addressed Gideon. He didn't look at Gideon's predicament. He didn't look at Gideon's current display of ignorance. He looked at Gideon and spoke to Gideon because he saw in Gideon what Gideon did not see in himself. And Gideon said, okay, this is the issue. You know, why are you allowing them to improvise us, to torment us, to do all of that? And the angel looked at him and said, go in this thy might. You do not need anything else. Go in this thy might and you will save Israel. Read the story. That's exactly what happened. Because God would speak to you in terms of your potential and your purpose. God looked at Abraham. Abraham had no child. And God made a promise to him, said, you'll be the father of all nations. Abraham thought God was joking. Later, God looked at him in Romans chapter 4, verse 17. I like the way it's put there. God comes to him, Paul describing the experience. He says, Abraham, I have made you a father of nations. Now listen, he didn't say, I will make you. He was talking to a man who had no child. <laughs> and God looked at that man who had no child and said, I have made you. <laughs> <laughs> a father of nations. Abraham did not understand what God was saying because God would not speak to you based on your current circumstance. He will speak to you in terms of your potential, what you can become that you've not yet become. That's how God addresses us. And that's why you might be seated here this morning and there are things God has told you about your life. And you're looking at those things and you're thinking, you look at where you are today. I mean, there were things he told you in January 2018. Look at today, this 2nd of December 2018. You look so far away from it. You see, God would not stop speaking according to your potential. <laughs> he would not. Because this is how God sees. Let me explain it using something natural. You know, in the book of Romans chapter 1, verse 20, the Bible tells us that God uses the visible things to explain the invisible things to us. Now, if I had in my hand a seed of corn, a seed of corn, or what they also call maize, now if I showed anybody and asked you, what do you see? What would everybody tell me, or most people tell me? A seed of corn, isn't it? All right. But if you asked God, God will say a seed of corn. God will say, you say, what do you see? God will say, wow, that's a forest you have in your hand. <laughs> because God understands that in this seed, you plant this seed, this seed will produce other maize and corn seeds. You plant those seeds, it will produce other seeds. You plant, if you just keep the process going, it's just a matter of time. Seed, time, harvest. Just a matter of time, what you thought was just a seed <laughs> becomes a massive forest, a massive plantation. 
God would always speak to us in terms of our potential and purpose. And if he would always do that, what else would he do? The first thing is that God will give you a promise that does not look like where you are today. The second thing he will do is that he will give you the seed to plant, to realize that promise. The first thing he will do is to give you a promise. A lot of times, and I tell you almost 100% of the time, the promise would not look like where you are right now. As a matter of fact, if the promise God is giving you is something you can accomplish without him, then you need to go and pray again. (laughs) He gives you a promise, then he gives you a seed to realize that promise. But here is the tragedy. A lot of people ignore the seed that God gives. But this is how God has always worked. In Genesis chapter 1, Verse 28, God looked at man and said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. After he gave man that promise, what was the next thing God did? If I were to ask this question another way, I would say, what was the first thing God gave man? Read verse 29. The answer is there. After God gave man the promise, what does he say in verse 29? And God said, behold, I have what? Talk to me. I have what? Everyone. That was the first thing God gave man. He said, multiply, replenish the earth. But you know what? You cannot do what I just said without a seed. So you know what? I'll give you a seed. And that is how God operates. That is how God operates. He would give you a seed to realize the promise that he has given you. Now, what is a seed? You know, when we talk about seed, a lot of times, you know, in church, people immediately think about money. Ah. <laughs> but money is just one of the seeds. As a matter of fact, money is one of the least kinds of seeds that God gives. A seed is anything God has given you to realize the promise he has made for to you. Anything. A seed is any resource that God has made available to you to realize your purpose and your potential in life. That is a seed. Anything. Anything God has given you to make what he has promised you a reality, that is a seed. And there are different kinds of seeds. But before I go into explaining the different kinds of seeds, I would want to show you something. And explain something to you. Number one, to realize God's promise, God's dream, God's vision for your life, you know, God's purpose for your life, and however you want to put it, God's idea for your life, right? There is your responsibility and there is God's responsibility. What is God's responsibility? Very simple. Number one, God's responsibility is to make you the promise. That's God's responsibility, it gives you the idea. Gives you so a lot of those thoughts maybe it's about building a big business. Those thoughts are not from the devil. The devil would not want you to build a big business. So you don't <laughs> that's the truth. <laughs> that thought of having a wonderful home, that cannot be from the devil. The devil never wants you to have a wonderful home. 
whatever he has promised you to live in health, to live in peace, to experience financial exploits and financial breakthrough, as it were, that cannot be from the devil. So God gives you the promise. That is his number one responsibility. Number two responsibility is that he gives you a seed because he understands that a seed is the answer to every need. Whether a personal need or a need in the world, he understands that a seed is the answer. So God gives you a seed. Number two, three, God blesses what you do with the seed. (laughs) Did you hear what I said? God does not bless the seed. He blesses what you do with the seed. He does not need to bless the seed because the seed came from him. So he blesses what you do with the seed. What is our responsibility? Number one, to receive the promise. Because there are lots of people that are fighting God's promises concerning their lives. God is trying to communicate a big picture to you. You are fighting it. How? You look at your current circumstance and say, ah, from my home, see my home, I mean, see where I came from. This cannot happen. You know, you look at how big the dream is. And you say, this does not look like it's from God. I'm just, I'm daydreaming. People fight the seed. They promise, they fight it. So the first responsibility you have is to receive it. Receive it. Number two, your second responsibility is to identify and value the seeds that God would require for you to sow to realize that promise. You have to identify it and value it. A lot of times we are looking for what is not lost. A lot of times what we are looking for, God has already given us. And God is wondering, why are you disdaining what I have given you? When I begin to talk about the types of seeds, you understand what I'm saying. Number three, our responsibility is to sow the seed. And number four, our responsibility is to water the seed. Let me talk to us about the types of seeds. Number one type of seed is time. Time is a seed that God has given everybody on the face of the earth. And God expects us to do something with our time. In managing your time effectively, you would have to prioritize what deserves your focus and attention. You see, every human being on the face of the earth has 24 hours to become anything that God has promised them. You do not have more time than Pastor Shala has. You do not have more time than anybody that you admire. Everybody has 24 hours of a day. It's what you do with that time that matters. So time is a seed. Time is a resource, a valuable resource that God has given you. And he watches what to do with our time. Number two, relationships. The relationships in our lives are seeds. What should you do? Nurture the relationships in your lives. Build those relationships. Nurture them. Treat them like a farmer would treat a seed that he's planting and expects to harvest from. 
the relationships in your lives are seeds. There are lots of times that all you need is for one right person to come into your life. One right person. People that have I've read, you know, one of the things I enjoy doing the most is reading biographies and autobiographies because I understand that the secrets of men are in their stories. So I read those things. And I've discovered that there is this common line. Everybody that has done great things on the face of the earth, a relationship entered their life. Everybody that has also, <laughs> you know how they say it, everybody that has also learned. <laughs> everybody that has also made a shipwreck of their life one relationship they didn't need more than one because relationships are very important seeds that God give us the people you know the people you interact with they are not mistakes in your life they are not accidental happenings. you know people because God has orchestrated that you know them. Because God, I would always say, is too organized to mismanage your life. So the people you know, you are not knowing, don't think you know them accidentally. Now, someone said, and, and I like that, so I want to share that thought with us, that every relationship in your life would fall under one of three categories. And I want you to think about this very carefully. Every relationship in your life would fall under one of three categories. Number one, you would have those who are confidants. Confidants. Those are people who love you unconditionally. As a matter of fact, I must be sincere with you. If you have two, three, four confidants in a lifetime, you are so blessed. <laughs> because these people believe in you. It's not about whether you are a success or you are a failure. They don't care. They believe in you as a person. They would invest everything they have to ensure that you do well. These people love you unconditionally. The second type of relationships that people would always have are constituents. Constituents. You know, just like a politician, he has a constituency, isn't it? But remember that after a while, if the politician's manifesto doesn't favor the constituents, what do they do? They vote him out. Good. So constituents are with you because they believe the same thing you believe. Both of you are fighting a common cause. That's why they are with you. They like your mission in life. They see that it tallies with theirs, so they are with you. The day they discover that your mission and their mission are different, they are gone. They don't hate you. <laughs> they are constituents. And to be sincere with you, a lot of people that we interact with in the office and all of that, they fall under that category. And it's, they are not the bad people. They are not bad people, right? They are good people. But they are what? Constituents. The third kind of people, and you need this third kind of people, they are comrades. Comrades do not like you. They are angry at doing well. They might have told you, they might not have told you. <laughs> but they are not happy with you. But remember, Jesus needed them. In fact, Jesus ensured that he hired one of the comrades to be amongst his 12 disciples because he needed the guy to betray him so that he would go to the cross and fulfill his purpose in life. So comrades are not bad people. Don't hate them. Thank God for their lives 
Because God uses them to accomplish his purpose for your life. Right? So comrades do not... The only time you see comrades come to work with you is when both of you have a common enemy. They will team up with you. But after you fight that common enemy, they are gone. Now, the greatest mistake you would make in your life is to treat a confidant like a comrade or a constituent. Or to treat someone who is supposed to be a constituent as a confidant. That is wisdom. You can meditate on it. But what I'm trying to say is that the relationships in our lives are seeds. Another kind of seed that God has given us are the talents and gifts he has given us. Our talents and gifts are seeds. Our talents and gifts are what? They are seeds. Our talents and gifts. Now, you see, a lot of times, people are looking... So, I happen also to be... to work in the HR space. And one of the things I see a lot of times are people that have no business looking for a job, looking for a job. <laughs> because a lot of times, people disdain their talent and their gift. You know why? Because they are very good at it. Every human being has areas of strength and areas of development. So they are so good at, what, at that particular talent or gift that they feel it is nothing. So they disdain it and they pursue what they think somebody else has and they, that is not actually their own area of strength. Never, never, ever disdain your gift or your talent. Rather than disdain it, what you should do is to refine it. Because people would only pay for refined talent. People do not pay for crude talent. And because this is also the problem. Because lots of times people take crude talent out, nobody pays for it, then what you now do is you disdain the talent and you go and look for something else. But what you're supposed to do is to refine the talent. Refine the talent. Refine that talent. Make the talent fantastic. Develop it. Do it a lot more. You see, for those of us that like football here, how many of you, those that like football, I know it's not everybody, okay? How many of you know Lionel Messi? Messi, good. How many of you know Messi is not a good defender? But do you remember he's not a good defender? He's a very good scorer <laughs> that you forget is a, good, is a bad defender. Now, that is what a refining of talent would do. People will forget the areas where you need to develop or the areas where you are not good at because you've refined what you are good at so well that that is all they see. Listen to me. It is very important as believers that we, as we pray and we receive promises from God, we understand that God has also given us talent. He's also given us the kinds of seeds that would help us realize that promise. So what people are doing is they come and they are looking at the promise, admiring the promise, massaging the promise, but they are not doing anything about the seed 
you would never realize the promise and it won't be God's fault. Because I, remember I listed to you what God's responsibilities are. It would not be because God didn't give you a seed or because he didn't give you a promise, but because you refused to do you nothing with the seed that he gave you. So refine your talent. Refine it. Words are also seeds. Words. The words you speak are also seeds. It's very important. The book of Luke chapter 8 verse 11. Jesus said, the sower soweth the word. Words are seed. Words are seed. What you say is important. There are people that have said things today. They've, I mean, those things have gone into their future to wait for them. Words are seed. There are certain experiences I cannot have today because I have been saying some things many years ago. I remember as a four-year-old, three, four-year-old, you know, I was taught one very interesting. So I, I went to Sunday school, and my Sunday school teacher taught me. I mean, this woman's English was very interesting. But at least she taught me that thing, and I can never forget her for it. You know, she's the kind of person that would say, sang the sing again. But I, forget about all of that, but she taught me one thing. She taught me that Solomon prayed to God for wisdom and made a sacrifice, and God gave him wisdom. And it occurred to me that, oh, so I can also pray for wisdom. So right from four, age four, I've been praying, Lord, give me wisdom. <laughs> give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. Today, I do certain things, and people say, wow, you're so wise. I laugh, because I started sowing the seed since four. 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 The things that you want in your life tomorrow, start sowing the seeds of them now by speaking. Speaking. Speaking and talking. Our mouth is not only to eat. Our mouth is primarily to speak. To sow seeds. Be mindful of the kinds of words you use to, with people, whether they annoy you or not. Be very mindful of them because your words are what? Seeds. Seeds. Another kind of seed our life experiences. The experiences you've had in life, you can decide to mourn over them, especially if it's, they are negative, and if they are positive, good, you can decide to just be looking at them and be admiring them, or you can decide to convert them to seeds to recreate another miracle in the future. Now, having said that, all of these are seeds. Money is also a seed, as I told you. Now, God gave us seeds so that we can sow it. But you see, sowing the seed is not the only thing that will make the seed grow. You have to sow the seed in the right environment. And you have to do something else. You have to water the seed. And it is in this part of watering that people who have been in church for a while and have sowed seeds... And they've not seen the vest that they want. I've always wondered what is happening. It's because you've not watered the seed enough. How do you water your seed? Very simple. One word. Thanksgiving. That's how you water your seed. You know, the Bible tells us a story in John chapter 11. About Jesus. They came to him, told him, Jesus, your friend... I mean, a guy you love, Lazarus, he's sick and he's about to die. 
And the Bible explains to us in John 11 that Jesus abode in that place two days. And you know what Jesus said when they told him? He said, this sickness is not unto death, but that God might be glorified. Now you will think that Lazarus will not die. But after Jesus abode two days, they told him, Lazarus died. <laughs> but hear how Jesus said it. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, disciples, let's go and wake Lazarus for he sleepeth. Now what was Jesus doing? He was sowing seeds. He sowed the first seed that this sickness is not unto death. The second seed, he's sleeping. Disciples said, if he's sleeping, he will do well now. Why are we disturbing him? Then Jesus had to explain to them so that they would understand. He came to their level. He said, he's dead. So let's go and raise him up. When Jesus got there, of course, he said, Am I, do you believe that I can raise him up? They said, yes, we believe that on the last day he will rise and all of that. You can read the story for yourself. But it's interesting that when Jesus got to the tomb, Jesus knelt down. What did Jesus say to God? Jesus said, Father, I thank you for what? For you have heard me. When did God hear him? When he said the sickness is not unto death. Lazarus slept. He was referring to the seed he had sown. So he came here very confidently. And he knew that the last thing to do unlock this harvest is to give thanks. So he says, Father, I thank you. And the Bible says that, he said, he said, I'm saying this so that they would all hear me. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says that he that was bound hands and foot ah, came forth. You see, he was bound hands and foot. The way they buried their dead Israel was that when a person dies, they put you, they use linen clothes to tie you up then they pour oil on you, so a cocoon forms. It becomes hard. You cannot move. So when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, you see, it was the power of God that raised Lazarus, carried the guy and placed him at the door of the tomb because he could not walk. He was bound. Ah, you didn't get that. Read the story for yourself. These are the things that makes me to know that there is absolutely nothing impossible to God. He came forth, and Jesus said, lose him and let him go. He says, Father, I thank you. Now, a very popular scripture, and it's one of the scriptures this ministry is based on, Jeremiah, chapter 30, verse 19. What does he say? He says, out of them shall proceed, all right? What? Thanksgiving, and the voice of them that make merry. And what would happen? I will multiply them. You see, when we thank God, what we are doing is we are watering our seed. We are watering our seed. You see, that's why it's important that a heart of gratitude must never be far from you. Regardless of what has happened in 2018, what has happened in the past, you can take that experience, you can take that seed, say, Lord, I have sown it, but I am going to thank you for it. You need a change of job rather than going around sowing seeds of complaints about the job. You know, take the same job, be diligent at the job, sow the seeds of hard work there. And look at the job and say, well, this job will prosper. Sow the proper seed. Then go to God and say, Father, I thank you for this job. And I thank you for my job that is coming. You see, you cannot do that and not get a better job. I am telling you because it's what I have experienced. You cannot do that and not get a better job. 
You know, January this year, December, January this year, as our custom is in my family, I and my wife sat down and we drew out a plan. What are the things we want to accomplish in 2018? We wrote down for the kids, for ourselves, and all of that. And one of the things we wrote down was, well, she, you, you, a job for her and a change of job for me. I just sensed that it was time to move on from where I was working, or where I am working, I'm saying. So, <laughs> and we, that was what we agreed. And we also wrote, how much do you want to collect our salary? I wrote it. At that time, it was about three times what I was earning. I'm in HR. We don't pay people like that. We don't increase salaries like that. <laughs> there are always formulas to increasing these things, right? But I wrote it down, and I told her, I said, this is what I want to earn. And she said, okay. She said, me too. This is what I want to earn. This is the kind of place I want to work. I said, okay. And every day from January, say, Father, we thank you. And we're thanking God about it. Now we're blessing God about our current place, faithful where we were, but thanking God about the new job. Now, to what, I think somewhere in, yeah, earlier in the year, somebody walked up to her and said, or told her, said, there is this very interesting job, it's an NGO, they pay 20K, it's just for stipends and all of that. And she said, well, this is not what we were confessing now. I said, don't worry, take it and be grateful to God. She took it, she was grateful, faithful. Now, but we're still confessing the real thing. Now, all of a sudden, she developed what she called, they call it their pro, our profile. And we sent it to somebody. In fact, I was having a, I was conversing with her on the phone, and somebody overheard me. And the person said, are you interested, is she interested in working in a place like this? And yes. Said, okay, send her profile to me. They sent the profile to me, and that person took it upon herself. I mean, it was... We were even the person said, don't worry, it's God with the person said, no, don't worry. I will take it to everybody, I will send it to this, send it. Bottom line, when experts in the field where she works saw her profile, to be sincere with you, I designed the profile in the house. So I, I did not think it was anything spectacular. But when they saw it, they said, This is the person we've been looking for. And one interview, bottom line, she got the job. So it was remaining mine. I said, Father, we thank you for that. As my birthday was approaching, I said, the year is about to end. And I said, okay, I was praying to God, and God said, Joshua, it will be a year of open doors for you. I said, amen, praise the Lord, September 3rd. And Pastor Shola called me that morning, and he said, ah, you should have told me yesterday, that was 2nd of September, we had a program in church, remember? He said, you should have told me yesterday, I'd have told Apostle Selman to pray for you. I said, sir, you are my pastor. I convert your own prayer more than any other person's prayer. And Pastor Lass said, oh, really? He said, okay. He says, this year shall be a year of open doors. I didn't tell him anything. I said, amen. And he said, hmm, concerning the job you, you, you want, that you will get it exactly how you want it. I said, amen. Fourth of September, I received the mail in my box. I don't really check LinkedIn profiles because I was facilitating. So I checked, looked at LinkedIn. Okay, so this person invites accepted the invite, the person sent me a mail, we want to come for an interview, in somewhere I had been dreaming, in fact, to be sincere, I didn't even, I said, wow, I said, yes, yes, I want to come for an interview, one, two, three, I go, if the testimony was, I got the job, well, that would be fantastic, but you know what the testimony was, when I went to the final interview, they said, you know, we've been, we wanted to hire you for something else, but we discovered we'll be wasting resources, to hire you for that because you look higher than that. So, so you know what? We will promote you and hire you at this level, and this is your salary. You know what the salary was? Exactly what we wrote in January. 
Exactly. So this is a principle. I'm not telling you science. It is something I have practiced and I have seen. This is how it works. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Do not complain. Be full of thanks and gratitude. As I close, I want to tell you the story of the Chinese bamboo tree. It's popularly said that when the farmer plants the bamboo tree, plants the seed, he begins to water the seed. First year, nothing happens. But the farmer keeps watering the seed. Second year, nothing happens. But the farmer keeps watering the seed. Every day, he carry his water and water the seed. Third year, nothing happens. <laughs> but the farmer keeps watering the seed. Keeps giving thanks. Fourth year, nothing happens. The farmer keeps watering the seed. People that wanted to build houses, people that are planting maize, they've harvested how many, they've eaten, they've gone, they've forgotten, they planted. This guy is still watering the seed. The fifth year, as he's watering the seed, he begins to see something grow out. In five weeks, the tree grows 90 feet high. In five weeks. 90 feet. Now, I don't know how high this tent is, but this is not 90 feet. <laughs> this is, sir, how, how, what's your, how tall are you? You're about six what? Six two. See, brother, all right. He's six two. So imagine 90 feet. Did that seed grow 90 feet in five weeks, actually? No. If the farmer had stopped the second year, that's the end of the seed. That's what happens to lots of believers. They've sown the seed, they've done everything, but they stop watering it with thanksgiving. They give up because as they are thinking, things now look as though it's not making sense. And day to day, they now sow another seed. They uproot the one they've sown before. Sow the seed of, it's not making sense. Say things. He said, how are you doing? We are managing. Ah, you. You are not managing. Rather, what they should have said is, well, things are getting better. It's only a matter of time. What God has promised would happen. I'm sowed the seed. So I give him thanks. I give him praise. That's what they should have said. Thanksgiving is how we water our seed. Never stop thanking God. Never stop thanking God. If you've not sown any seed, I want you to remember that, well, there is a saying. It says the best time to sow a tree, a seed for a tree, is 20 years ago. The second best time is now. So you can sow the seed now. But as you do that, never forget to water it with thanksgiving. Water it with thanksgiving. The Bible says that let people praise him, O God. He says, for then shall the earth yield an increase. The earth never yields its increase, except it's in an atmosphere of praise and thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a powerful tool. It's what unlocks the power of your seed. So, brothers and sisters, right where you are, I want you to just lift up one hand toward heaven and begin to thank God for things that have happened in your life. And if there are specific things you want to thank him for, thank him. Sometimes I just look at my wife and I say, Father, I thank you for giving me such a wonderful woman. You know, I look at the kids. I say, Father, I thank you for giving me these wonderful boys. Wonderful boys. Wonderful boys. That is how I secure that things can never go wrong. Can you just thank him? Thank him. You can stand if you want to stand. Can you just say, Father, I thank you 
from the depths of my heart, I am grateful. I am grateful. I choose to faint not. I choose to faint not. I choose to say thank you. Yes, I might have desired to be married by now, but I'm not married by now. But hey, that's not the end of the world. Lord, I thank you. I thank you because I know my husband is coming and he's here. Wonderful man. You're preserving the best for the last. (laughs) So Father, I thank you for it. I thank you. I thank you. You might be earning a salary that you feel it's nothing. Brothers and sisters, the only way to grow a multiplied salary is to give hard work, yes, but begin to thank God about it. The 100,000 naira you thank God for today will become a million. Just thank Him for it. Thank Him. It might be the health of a loved one. Thank Him. So words of faith, words of faith, but more importantly, thank God because He's absolutely taking control of the situation. Because there is nothing too difficult for Him. Thank Him. Father, thank You. Lord, we appreciate you. There is absolutely none like you. You are faithful. And Lord, we say thank you. Thank you for the relationships in our lives. Thank you for time. Your word says our times are in your hands. Father, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for my family. Thank you for this church. Wonderful place. Giving me the opportunity to serve. Thank you. In Jesus' great name, we have given thanks. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching. We believe you have been blessed. Worship with us at David's Court, number 25 Mojidi Street, off Towing Street, Ikeja, Lagos. On Sundays, our first service starts by 8 a.m. and our second service by 10 a.m., while our midweek service starts by 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Go and do great things. God bless you.